I think a lot of the artist's responsibility is to document the time that they're living in. Yeah. So that is partly why um, I like to do contemporary, you know, my models are all there. They look like who they look and they're very contemporary and they're wearing ripped t-shirts and ripped jeans and heels. Um, But I do love the, um, the unfinished way where your eye, you have to figure out what's going on and it's the drama of it. Welcome to Talk Design, the show where creatives have conversations. I'm Adrian Ramsey and I'm your host. Having lived a life of design myself, I wanted to share with you the creatives that inspire me and in turn may inspire you. Thank you for listening. I hope you enjoy. My guest on Talk Design today is Cindy Press. Cindy is an artist from New York and she's got a background in fashion and in fashion illustration. She does some beautiful work. She made a big name for herself out of her own style of how she brings this to the canvas and to the printed form. Cindy, welcome to Talk Design. It's such a pleasure to have you here. Thank you so much. It's wonderful to be here. I found you originally on um, Instagram and uh, actually a friend of mine um, posted me across a picture of you painting and I was like, how cool is that? Yeah. So somebody, (laughs) somebody, you know, sent me a a DM of you doing some work and um, I used to work in the fashion industry for many years and she used to be a designer who worked for me in the fashion industry and she said, oh, you're going to love this. And there was you painting away. And I'm like, how cool is that? My dad's a fine artist. And so I've always, you know, been, I've lived around art and I love art. So it was always one of those things where it was such a pleasure to find it. And so then, you know, I followed and followed. And then finally I reached out and said, hey, when I started my podcast and got it going for a while, I reached out and said, hey, could you join us? And so here you are. I'm so glad you did, even though we're, uh, you had to get up so early. <laughs> I'm, I'm used to that, but I'm, I'm cutting into your uh, Friday evening, which is... Oh, that's okay. My, my happy hour. That's your okay. Your happy hour, yeah. So, so you've got wine. Happy, it's, I'm happy. So <laughs> it, it works. <laughs> I love that. I love that. So tell me, Cindy, this journey um, that took you from, you know, childhood, really, what happened? How did you, with your talents... And, you know, like your abilities, you could have chosen anything that was a creative outlet. You know, you could have decided to design houses, design cars, design clothing, design anything. And not only design it, but also um, you could have just gone down a whole artistic route as well um, of, yeah, of of art and only art. My parents forbid me to. That is the story. (laughs) Now tell us that story. Let's kick off on that because that will a lot of listeners will relate to what they were forbidden to do. Yeah. Usually you end up a doctor or a lawyer or something when that happens, isn't it? Yeah. Well, there was no choice for me because there was nothing else. I mean, I I just don't know. I just all I remember is um coming home from school every day when I was a little girl and even all the way into high school and just running upstairs to my room and spending hours drawing. And that was, and I was never a patient child. So my mother really couldn't believe that I had that. She used to always say to me, I can't believe you have the patience to do that. My parents were 
first generation Jews in this country. They were the first of their family to be born in this country. Oh, wow. And they were a lot older. Yeah. Um, my mother was 40. My father was 45 when I was born. And neither of them were college educated. And I had an older brother who was 17 when I was born. So I was really like a mistake child. And here I was, here I was to these older Jews who, who really their background was from, you know, what their parents told them who came here from Russia on the boat. And, yeah. um, and, and here I am, you know, I want to be a, the crazy artist who, you know, that's all I want to do. And they didn't really know what to do with me, but I said, I'm going to art college or I'm doing nothing. So they said, okay, we want you, we want to be able to pay for you to go to art college. So, um, will allow you to go to art college, but only if you major in a professional art, because we do not want you to be a starving artist. They were very worried. They wanted me to be able to make money and support myself. So, you know, and here I was 18 years old. What did I know? But I went to um, more college of art and design. I grew up in Philadelphia yeah. and I went there and they, at that time, I don't know what they do now, but the school was divided into two sections. It was Fine arts or professional arts. So, you know, I was told I had so, to major in a professional art. So that's why so, you become an illustrator as opposed yeah. to a fine artist. Yeah. At the so, start. so my choices were like interior design. They had medical illustration, regular illustration, graphic design, um, fashion design, and um, fashion illustration and photography, I think. Uh, as opposed to painting and sculpture and sure. sculpting yes. and that kind of thing. So I said, well, I really like to draw. And, and, I, and I always loved fashion. I worked in a shoe store through, through high school. Um, and I always loved fashion. So I said, okay, well, I like drawing and I like fashion. So fashion illustration seems like a great major. And that's what I'll choose. But what I didn't know was that fashion illustration like fashion illustration is not really a job. I mean, it is a job, but it's not a full-time job you can apply to where somebody will hire you and give you health benefits and that sort of thing. You know, it's a freelance job and there's a handful of people who are really successful at it. Yeah. Um, It's a, it's a, it's a small pinnacle, you know, and it's, it's one of those things, although that has changed these days where people um, are far more, you know, internet, like, um, yes, definitely. Yeah. You know, when I went to college without dating myself, there was no internet. Yeah, me too. Smartphone. <laughs> me too. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, the thing about a fashion illustrator is they really, a fashion illustrator really dates back to, you know, Andy Warhol days, as I, mm-hmm. I mentioned, because it was really a profession that came about before photography, yeah. Or, you know, um, for, for they hired artists to illustrate for clothing catalogs. That was that was so, the only way it was. My my dad, right. being a fine artist, he worked as a commercial artist for many years. And when he, you know, back in the sort of like 60s, he was like in Mad Men, you know, the, the Mad Men show. That was what my dad yes, was yes. like. Yeah, yeah yes. you know, um, drinking and, and, you know, like just living this advertising life. And he was like, um, yeah, he, he would be drawing stuff. He'd be drawing men wearing suits, women wearing dresses, exactly. you know, um, chemical companies, you know, drawing situational things for them, you know, people in fields right. and all that sort of stuff. Right. Because photography maybe was too expensive. 
Yes. And it was it's all new. And I don't know, maybe the printing. I, I, yes. Yeah. I mean, I don't know that. Yes. I think photography was also pretty, still pretty. I don't know how new it was, but or expensive. Well, You're right. Yeah. But, there must have been um, some barriers to it with the getting it to, you know, it, it cost barriers because as those must have come down, clearly it took over. Right. Photography to have, right. Yeah. And by the time I was in school, photography took over. So my teachers were very smart and they knew that, that we could not survive as fashion illustrators alone. So they did teach us a lot of advertising design, uh, layout design for advertising. And I, and I did have an opportunity. I did internships for department stores doing advertising. And I did have um, opportunity to go work in that field, but then when I graduated college, we had a senior show and um, a gentleman from Philadelphia who had worked in New York, because um, a lot of people, there are a lot yeah. of people who commute from Philadelphia to New York. He hired me. He was in the clothing business and he just, um, he left a company doing um, stuff for Disney on clothing, mm-hmm. like the big Mickey Mouse t-shirts and stuff um, to start his own company um doing children's wear with do you know the berenstein bear books yes sure. you get them yeah, no, yeah my, okay. mom, right. my mom read so, them to me as a kid kind of thing and i had right right so yeah. he had a license he got the license um for the berenstein bears and he hired me probably well maybe i'd like to say a little bit because he liked my artwork on the wall in my senior <laughs> show but also probably because i was cheap labor because i was just graduating college <laughs> exactly. so he hired me right he hired me to do to be like the liaison illustrator between uh, with Jan and Stan Berenstein, the authors yeah. of the Berenstein Bear books and his clothing line. And he had a printer. So basically, I worked with Jan and Stan um, developing their artwork. So it, it made sense. So we could print it on clothing for little kids. And that's how I got into the clothing business. And and then and then, you know, 10 months later, that company went under and he took me to, he kind of was my mentor. He took me to New York and he set me up with a headhunter. And from then on, I just got jobs in the fashion industry. And um, I worked with Peter Max, the artist yeah. from the sixties. He, he did so, the yellow submarine album cover. He's so what, still did, around, what sort of things he, did you do for him? Oh, well, I went to his studio, which is still on the upper West side, but now he's, He's very old and frail. Um, and I went to his studio and worked with his art director and we would go through his and I worked with the other designers who were more in charge of like the fabric and the technical part of design. Uh-huh. And I was in charge of the art part and I would work with his people and we would come up with um, artwork and it had to be changed. You couldn't just like plop his his paintings down on a, on clothing and make it work. So I was that person who coordinated everything with his people to change his artwork and make it work on clothing. Yeah. And it was a company. It was a company called Neomax, and and oh, yeah. Um, yeah. yeah, and I Neomax. did that. I, I and and so that's how I ended up in the clothing business. So you know, from there, I also learned the full design process because once you're there, once you're in it. And you're oh, yeah. working with factories overseas and you're working with pattern makers. It's, you, you know, it's very easy to learn that hands-on. Mm-hmm. I didn't have to sew mm-hmm. or, or I just had to learn all the technical skills. So I became a yeah, full-fledged. Yeah, you have to learn the analytics of it, the analytics right. of construction, you know, of construction. People say to me with, 
now with doing houses, they go, so you, you did fashion and now you do houses? And I go, yeah, people live in them. Yeah, you just have to, right. It, you know, you just, there's no better experience than on-the-job training, I think. Yeah. So, so I ended up in the fashion industry and I really, um, I didn't love it. But I, uh, at that time, the fashion the industry in New York is, is such a fast the- dynamic, or it used to be more than now, but it used to be such a fast dynamic hotbed of yes. creativity and yeah. unionism and um, just everything in department in stores 80s, driving it. Was it. Very, yeah, it was very prosperous and people were doing really well. So, yeah. Here I was, I went to art school and I was making more money than any of my friends who decided to be teachers because they didn't know what else to do. Uh-huh. And, um, and it was great. And I was living in New York City and, you know, I was in my 20s and I was having fun. And, and did I love what I was doing in my job? No. But making money and it was a little creative. So it was fine. But I never in a million years thought that I could be doing what I'm doing now, which is really what I've always wanted to do. How cool is that? Yeah. From being a little kid drawing. Yeah. Right. Right. That's so so cool. And people used to say to me all the time, do you ever think about, did you ever think about selling your own work? And I used to say no, because like, that's what fine artists do. I don't do that. I wasn't trained to do that. Um, but, you know, fast forward many years later, and because of the internet and the world we live in today with technology, yeah, it, you know, it, for artists, that's been just a game changer. Can, can you imagine the amount of art that Andy Warhol would have sold if he had right. uh, lived in, you know, in this zone right now? Right. Right. You know, right. he, because he, he, he allowed right. pop art to be. Yep. You yeah, know. and he he was of the era where you had to, you could actually do this. Then you could walk into a gallery in New York City with your portfolio and say, "Hi, I'm an artist. Can you look at my work?" He's yeah. he he did that, yeah. and you can't. I mean, you can't even email a gallery anymore. You can't even mention the fact that you're an artist to a gallery, where it will for sure mean that they will not want to talk to you. It's yeah. completely opposite now. Isn't it just incredible? It's it's incredible the way everything's changed. So, yes, he would have been, it would have been insanity. Yeah, um, and and also he had to create, well, he he had to create the space for it and then get that space recognised enough to be able to, then other artists got to come into that space. You know, often we look at, like, artists and you go, I always think of this with, um, my wife one day we were talking about something and you know there was a Picasso and you know she's like well, what is so special about that and I'm like he did it first he was the first right he, he did it first. The first he broke the ground that everybody walked down after him and he he changed it and was it genius yes it was genius as well but that's beside the point he did it first and he he pushed and, and held on and got it to the point where it became something. Right, and, right. Yeah, and I think Vandy Warhol right. the same way. All the big, right, yeah. and, and today it's really hard. I mean, I see people trying to be the first, just well, trying. So many people try that shock effect yeah. to. 
Well, that what the problem to seems to be with that is, is maybe they're trying so hard to be something instead of trying so hard to be themselves. Um, exactly. They're looking for the hook. They're looking for the angle. They're looking for the, you know, there's a there's a point when you decided that you, with, with your work, that you were going to go down this certain road with it. And I suppose it could get really narrow because, you know, you choose this genre or this sort of style and it gets a certain level of success. I see architects who do this with, they they do one kind of, signature and then they don't get to move sideways from their signature um you know right. especially in music you see it you know you see it in music they they get an amazing a really big hit album and it's maybe their pinnacle um but they some of them get trapped in it for the next 20 years trying to replicate that same thing and they yeah. lose being the artist they just become the performer or they just become i always say to my dad who's a fine artist i always say he says, you know, you should do more art, son. And I'm like, yeah, Dad, I'm a designer. <laughs> I made a need. I'm not an that's artist. Want, right. That's what you want to do. Well, there's, I follow an artist. Um, he's an abstract artist on Instagram. And he posted once, um, which reminds me what you were just saying. He posted once how to be a successful artist. Just keep doing the same painting over and over and over again. And I mean, I try not to do that, but but the truth is, is that, you know, there are certain things that I do that just everybody always wants the same thing well, that's, over and over. So, so that's you know, part, part of the of problem with success. Right. <laughs> you know, that is part of the problem with success. You're successful for maybe, you know, maybe let's just say if you painted, you know, a thousand paintings, there's 10 that you would look down and go, those ones there were, were the ones that are the crazy ones, you know, they're the ones that, that everybody saw. And so everybody wants what they saw um, or something so tight to it that that's the problem with success, you know, like, um, and, well, it, that, right. it, and you have to keep rebuild, right. You have to keep, keep yourself yeah. at that same level or, or, or trump yourself. So, yeah, or, you know. or make so much money that you go, you know what, and, and then do a big public kind of, you know what, that was me, this is the new me, and all oh, you people who me. were with me back there, you can just stay there. I don't care. I'm happy if you want to come, but guess what? I'm right. moving. I'm, I'm, I'm moving. Yeah, I'm moving. This is me. I'm going somewhere else. And well, um, I feel like, I, right, I mean, I... For me, with my work, um, I know everybody knows me for my black and white work. I do. I also do some color work, but honestly, I prefer the black and white work. Um, it's just, it always feels right to me. It, I, 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 it's, I, I don't even have a good reason for doing it. It's just a feeling that I get when I work in black and white. And um and it's funny, a student messaged me on Instagram once because she was doing a project. And her question was, why do you do black and white? Is it because you can't do anything else? <laughs> or, or do you actually really or do you actually really like it? Like, like, <laughs> could you be crazy enough to like it that much that you keep doing it? Oh God! I love it. Yeah, it's actually because I like it. Yeah, I actually do it because it's what I like. <laughs> it. It's not a hook. It's actually right. what. Yeah. Right. Do you know um, Chase Jarvis? He does Creative Live. Have, have you come across Chase Jarvis? He's a, okay. He's a um, a photographer, 
and he shoots um, a lot of interviews, like with you know people like Brené Brown and all kinds of amazing oh, people. Right. Oh right! Um, I'll, I'll hook you to. I'll send you some links to Chase, and yes. um, he shoots Creative Live, the show, which is where he interviews people. He shoots uh-huh. it in black and white, and um, of course, here he is, this you know world-renowned photographer for all kinds oh, of different stuff. Oh, wondering if out of coloured ink or... Yeah, colored... exactly. And I listened to a thing where he was saying um, why he shoots it in black and white, and he said because he can control so much stuff with it. Black and oh, white he can control so much better than he can control all the colours. He has to be so much... He can set it up and it can run remotely in black and white, basically. You know what? That's my new answer because yeah. that is actually what... I, I couldn't articulate it, but that is actually how I feel. When I paint in color, yeah. I get so overwhelmed by the choices yeah. that I can't, and, and I, I just, I can't control it as much. So maybe that is why I get paint in black and white. I don't know. I'm just, it feels like home to me, black and white. It just feels like that's where I should be. Well, and, so- um uh, uh, and look, your black and white stuff is just stunning, stunningly Thank beautiful. You. You've got, yeah, I mean, the, one of the things coming from, a, uh, you know, growing up in a family where my dad's a fine artist is you look at, uh, or you get to learn to look at art. I don't even know that it's taught, um, but you look at people's art and I, I'll dismiss, you know, like a, um, anything that's, I don't know how to describe this. There's so much art that I dismiss because you know that French saying that je ne sais quoi, that miss that little piece you cannot explain. I my mm-hmm. wife will say to me, Do you do you not like really like that? And I'll go, hmm. Like just mm. and she's like, So you don't? And I'm like, Yeah. And she'll go, <laughs> Why? And I'll go, I don't know, it's just not that good. And she'll go, but it <laughs> it it really is like whatever, and I'll go, hmm. Yeah, well, that's good that it's like that for you. And she's like, you know, you're such a, a snob with this. And I go, well, it's not about being a snob. It's it's that I can see that there's this piece that's missing. And when I can see that it's there, that's when it's magic. That's when it actually comes to life and and it becomes real to me. Um, and, and, you know, she's like, you can't tell me that, you know, this big picture, which has basically got, you know, a stripe down one side and a whatever has mm-hmm. that, you know, it's maybe three colors. And I go, well, it does though. The balance is just okay, something perfect about- or it questions you, or there's a little bit of texture or it makes you, it, it makes you, it engages you. Yeah. And that's what uh, art's about, isn't it? Engaging. Right. And it's, it is. And it's, you know, it's so there's so much art. There's so many different forms of art out there now. And um, everybody should be entitled to have their favorite. And Absolutely. what does it for them? And, you know, so it, it's just, I don't, I can't imagine that there's, there's going to be, I, I, I couldn't even imagine what could be new. What yeah. could be like the next Andy Warhol, the next Beeble is what's um, new. Yeah. <laughs> oh yes, Beeble. <laughs> Beeble. That so digital art, I suppose, is this new uh, genre yeah, yeah. that you know digital art, right. mix it with some blockchain and some crypto, and um, then then you've got this new 
this new thing. Yeah, like it's like, as I was saying exactly. to you, I, I was that listening. Is, that is it. It but, is, it's like, a, and, and it's even, it's broader than just being art. It's, uh, it's but that's yeah. about, to me, it's almost, it's about, it's more about owning something than the art. Yeah. The NFTs. It's all yeah. about, own, it's all about the ownership. It's all, the, all about the system. That's the point it is of, of the NFTs, it, it, that from what I've read yeah. and heard, because I'm certainly no expert, but, you know, it's, you can, uh, and also, you know, but you still don't own the copyright unless the artist specifically yeah. grants you the copyright. So it's the ownership of this thing, but do, I don't know, do they really get to enjoy it? You know, when I buy art, physical yeah. art, I, I, I put it somewhere and I enjoy it. I don't know that I'm enjoying it. I don't know. People might hate Who knows? Hey, yeah, well, but, but who knows? <laughs> I mean, it's such a new, a new space and it's engaging different people in a new way. Um, right. So, yeah, I find that fascinating as well. I go, I am... Um, yeah, probably am a bit of a, a snob when it comes to it. And I also have, you know, I don't know how many, 50 or more of my dad's paintings. So um, regardless of whether I like them, uh, I do like them, but I've got like traditional watercolour paintings all around our home because right. that's, that's right. what he does. He does traditional watercolour, you know. So right. I get that and then I go, um, you know, if I put up a, something that's modern it actually needs its own space it's it's like you know and and all my dad's art is um half sheet or occasionally full sheet but usually half sheet watercolor you know so it's all that kind of stuff it's got a size and yeah it's like so I find it fascinating I find art fascinating um because this is this is a, a thing when before I was saying you know I said to my dad no no I'm a I'm a designer dad um there's an emotional crossover, and I want you to tell me how you see this. There's an emotional crossover from um, replicating the, the world as we see it or replicating something from our mind as we see it to it being an emotional piece that is now art, not just design. So a fashion illustrator versus a fashion, an artist who paints um, like you do, where you would, a lot of them could be like a fashion illustration. Yes. They, they, tell me about that. Well, it's interesting. So, I mean, what, the years in between, so I, I did work in the fashion industry for 15 years, but then I stopped to stay home. Um, I had two daughters. Mm-hmm. So I stopped to, my husband and I decided I would be the nanny. So I stayed home <laughs> with them rather than pay the nanny. And I actually, in the beginning, I freelanced for in fashion, which was great. And then yeah. I just, I, I just stopped altogether and I stayed home, but I always did something art related, not, not um, just because to feed my soul, yeah. I had to. So I was painting furniture for a while. I was painting, um, I was hand painting t-shirts that I would sell to little boutiques. I always did portraits um, within Westchester, New York, where I live. People knew me and and would hire me. I, you know, there's a Westchester Art Council website that I post on and people would hire me to do portraits. And so you um, had your side hustle while, while, right. while playing full-time nanny. But, 
Yes, it wasn't right. It wasn't really, it wasn't to make money. It was just to keep myself sane while I was taking care of the rugrats. Yes, as you said, (laughs) to feed your soul, you know, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. I had to do it. I mean, there was always something. And, um, and that was also people would say to me, well, did you ever think about selling your own art? And I'd say, well, why? Like, who's buying it? Like, I just didn't understand how I would do that. And then when um, I guess, I don't know, a few years after, you know, these online art websites started becoming popular, you know, now there's a million of them yeah. online platforms, you know, like Saatchi Art, and Art Finder and all these. I would look at them and I, oh, and then my youngest daughter went to college and I said, okay, now I need to do something in art, but I don't know what. And I always thought it was going to be making t-shirts or clothing or something because that was my background. And um i looked at all the artwork that was being sold on those platforms and i said well why why can't i do this you know this is what i love to do and i literally just painted it's funny i would i took i went into this room in our house that we call the den it's a little room with a couch and a tv and i and i i i started painting and my husband got really annoyed and he said you're gonna make a mess you're going to make a mess of the den. And then I painted like five paintings and I put them online on one of these platforms and they sold and he ran out and he got me a new easel. (laughs) (laughs) He invested heavily in your talent. He was like, okay, let's make the den your art studio. (laughs) Hell, you can make money in the den. Exactly. and and basically, I just kept painting and never looked back. And that's what, and then of course Instagram and you know I have developed my. But you know, there's so much more to it than just the art too. Oh, this yeah. is a full, you know, it's a full time business. I do all my own social media. I do all my own advertising. I I do my own website. I photograph all my own, um, you know, paintings and artwork. I do everything. I photograph my own models. It's you know, it's a full time business yeah I I spend days packing and shipping and I've had I right before COVID I had an assistant but then COVID came and I had to let her go I haven't thought about getting another assistant because I'm such a control freak and um I would double check everything that she did anyway and then I would freak out if I found one mistake then so, you'd be worried about all the previous ones that had gone out and maybe they had yeah, that mistake. So, and- so anyway, maybe, maybe I'll, you know, when things are totally, totally back to normal, I'll have an assistant back here again because it certainly helps with the shipping. But, um, but yeah, so, so that's how I evolved into painting. And, and, and my painting style came from just, well, what do I want to paint? Yeah. You know, I mean, I can paint anything. anything. I mean, I yeah. paint, right. That's the thing. I can paint a dog. I, and people have come up to me at art fairs and been like, well, do you do dog portraits? And, you know, and I, it's like, like, no, like, fuck off. <laughs> right. Not that I can't, but I won't. Yeah. You know, there are some things. And I do a lot of commissions and portraits, but they have to be, you know, my cup of tea, so to speak. They have to, I have to feel comfortable with them. Um, and, but so I just took my fashion background and what I've always loved to draw and paint and just went with it. And it sort of evolved um, into more than just that because it's also, um, you know, I only, people are always asking me, why do you only paint women? Yeah, of course they would, yeah. Right, 
I am a woman. I find the female figure, no offense, much more interesting. (laughs) I'm a heterosexual, but I just find the female female figure much more interesting as far as art's concerned. And um, and also, I think through the ages, you would just say that that's what all artists have found more interesting, anyway. Yeah, I mean, I don't. Yeah, a lot of look. I had a a gallery who was doing. who took my work to Palm Springs, uh-huh. California, for an art fair. Maybe she, not quite as popular out there. They would have probably had men. Me, she only wanted me to paint men. And galleries will do this. You know, they'll say, well, can you do this? Can you do that? And, you know, I try to be um, cooperative. So I don't know what possessed me to say yes, but she said, you, you know, can you do some men for this show? They'd really blow out. So I said yes. And then I started and I said, what the fuck am I doing? I can't yeah, do this. This isn't it's me. Not, it's not me. It's not worth it. So I stopped and I said, no, you got to take what I get. You know, you got to take my work. I can't yeah. do it. Yeah. So it's I've just, this is what it's Funniest natural. story about um, going to Palm Springs. So I go every year, I do some architectural tours and I usually take people with me and I'll hire a guide and uh, of the area and stuff. And then, you know, we'll go and look at architecture and, stuff like that anyway in, in particular I go to Palm Springs this was a few years back and I was I'd gone and I just did um a bit of a recce and I was going I went with three different guides and looked at how they took people around and all the rest and uh, anyway I have this thing where I, I go while my hair still grows I'll just get it cut at any barber shop so <laughs> find me a barber right. shop I'll walk in I'll get my hair cut you know it still grows, so what's the worst thing that could happen? Yeah. Right. Um, and anyway, so I, uh, I'm i in Palm Springs and I went, shit, when I get home, I'm going to be really busy. You know what? I should get a haircut here before I leave. <laughs> and, um, you know, you said before, like, I'm heterosexual. And and I, I, I'm like, barbershop. And I look and there's, I, I Google and there's no barbershops. There's one barbershop that came up. Everything else was a hairdresser. And I went, I don't want the complication of a hairdresser. I just want to go to a barber's shop. And um, anyway, so I I see there's this one and I see, you know, it's not far from my hotel. And I think, oh, cool, I'll drive down there. And on my way out of Palm Springs, I had a few things I wanted to look at. But on my way out of Palm Springs back to L.A., I will um, go and get my hair cut. So... I park in the side street and I walk around and as I'm walking around um, this place is called daddy's and I'm walking around and I open the door and the counter for daddy's isn't right at the front. It's probably maybe a quarter of the way down the building, you know, inside. And by the time I sort of, I am in my, you know, sort of days of, you know, just wandering, wandering and I get all the way to the counter and this um, guy says to me, oh, well, welcome to Daddy's. And I'm like, and I look, I'm, I'm, I'm taking in the landscape at this point, and there's all these photos of, of men, you know, like in singlets and stuff, everybody in there, and I'm no homophobe, everybody in there is completely gay. And I'm like, ah, How's this going to play out? And anyway, I went, you know what? Your hair, you're getting your hair cut. Sit down. And um, <laughs> I was like, so I'm sitting there. And 
get my hair cut, really lovely guy cut my hair and he's telling me about his husband and all these different things and, you know, about Palm Springs and stuff. It was really fascinating. Anyway, and I, I left and I got round the corner and I grabbed my phone and I rang my wife and I said to her, I've just had the most hilarious experience. I said it was like <laughs> it was like going deep into the den of something that I was so uncomfortable. That was probably the biggest thing. It, I, I went, Jesus, I am uncomfortable. Okay, get yourself together. Like, you know, this is all prejudice. This is all right. belief. It's right. all fear. Right. It's all something right. that, you know, like what? Like, And I said to her, I said, a couple of things that came to mind really quickly was, this is what it must feel like for a woman when she walks into a side, a, a space where there's just men. Just men, right. Or, just men. Uh, this must uh, be that some of that feeling. And then right. I said to her, but you know what? That is the best neck and head massage I've ever had in my life. So I want oh, to send okay. her to daddy's for a haircut so that she can learn to give me a head and neck massage okay. like that. Well, you know, me and all my girlfriends say the best, the, uh, no offense to all you hetero, heterosexual men out there, but, you know, the gay men are really the best. They would yeah. make the best husbands. Unfortunately, they don't want any of us. <laughs> That's the problem. The perfect husband, but yeah. Uh, it's, the problem is they don't want us. <laughs> yes. <laughs> That's a rejection so, yeah, you just so, have to deal with. Right. No. Uh, I, I know from my years in the fashion industry, um, and I did women's fashion, so I did a lot of swimwear. I, uh-huh. became, I became a women's swimwear sort of expert. And with that, I was always I was always presumed to be gay just because of the industry oh, right. I worked in. And so, as I say, like, I had no issues with that at all. It was just a really interesting. Yeah, my husband, too. He was in the club. We met because we worked in the same office building. Um, we actually met on the bus, kind of. But we worked in the same office building, and he was also in the fashion industry, and everybody thought he People always thought he was still probably think he's gay. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'll get the same. It's no big deal. i just go, you whatever. Metrosexual, it's called. Yeah, yeah, metrosexual, yeah. If you wear coloured shoes or anything like that, you could easily fall right. into that category, yeah. Right. <laughs> so tell me with um, that you do paint women and you paint them beautifully. Thank you. What is that connection that, um, like you were saying, you know, you love painting, painting the female form. Um, but you paint, you, the, the, the stuff that you paint is very now as well, like it, because it's very got contemporary, the, right? Yeah, and it's got the fashion kind of element to it as well. Like, um, yeah, you know, you so might paint shoes, yeah, shoes and jeans, you know, ripped jeans and a pair of like high heels or boots at the end of it. And one of the things that I like, I go through all your art and I go, there's tons of pieces to fall in love with. One of the things I absolutely love is when it's like you're such a tease when I don't get to see the whole picture. I just get to see some legs, you know. I just get to see the bottom of a skirt and some, you know, stuff like that. I'm like, damn you. Um, Give me me the rest of that, you know. know, Um, But the the magic would disappear. You know, well, that's the fun of it because then it leaves really, you know, a lot, I do paint, I do like to paint contemporary, um, like today. And I think 
I think a lot of the artist's responsibility is to document the time that they're living in. Yeah. So that is partly why um, I like to do contemporary, you know, my models are all there. They look like who they look and they're very contemporary and they're wearing ripped t-shirts and ripped jeans and heels. Um, But I do love the, um, the unfinished way where your eye, you have to figure out what's going on and it's the drama of it. And like what's happening. And that's, it's also how I come up with my titles. That to me is the most is, is, is part of the, it's one of the best parts about, my process that I love is coming up with, um, and it's all, it all happens simultaneously. It's like, sometimes I actually come up with the title before, sometimes I'm coming up with it as I'm painting, sometimes after, but it's, it's also has to do with things that are happening with either me or my friends or other women or in society. Um, and, and it's all tied together. And, and, you know, I really like to exploit like the sex appeal and the drama, but not mm. in, but not, you know, and, and the provocative, but not in, in, a, in a disgusting way. So that, you know, I'm it, it's not, not, yeah, it's not thrown in your face. It's, um, that's what's so beautiful about it. It's, it right. is, it's got a sexiness, a provocativeness, a, uh, a mystery, a but it doesn't objectify women. No, not, so at, all. Can, not at all. You know, there are a lot That's of it. artists and out there that I see um, that you know, there's always big boobs or yeah. you know that whatever it is, or their ass is hanging out. Whatever it is, it's it's more like you would see, you know, in a Playboy magazine or a yes. penthouse, whatever. Yeah. I'm not trying to objectify women. I'm just trying to capture them. Portray, portray yeah. the, you know, the sensualness and the beauty of them without it being so in your face. And so, that's, that's kind of what I feel is, is, is more sexy and more beautiful. And, and at the same time, talk about what we're all really thinking and what we're really feeling and the things that we're going through, it's all kind of tied in. And I, and, and so the gesture and the pose is, is, is really more important than the clothing because I'm not really, you know, every now and then. You're not capturing the clothing necessarily. You're capturing that. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Like, um, yes, the clothing is a part of that moment, but it's not, you're capturing the essence of everything that, that, picture can be or that person can be that's in the picture exactly and um and you know the the pieces that don't have it's funny I love doing them like my my new dress pieces where you don't really see where you don't see a face you just see like the bottom half of a woman or the or the jeans and the shoes I love doing them but I do find that you know as a as a business owner too um there are women there are, when I when I go to an art fair, there are some women who just love my sexy pieces. Yeah, and then there are some women who will walk by with their their husbands, and as their husbands start to look <laughs> at them, they pull them, they pull them along. Like, no, we're not buying that for our house. There are some. You're, you are dreaming if you think that's going in my home. <laughs> exactly. Like I'm not putting her in, over my bed, and then there, and then I get women who call me, you know, and want a piece just like that, like. 
the sexiest piece for right over their bed. They don't care. And so it's, it's very interesting. So, you know, I, I like to have a little, it's, it wasn't a conscious decision, but since I started doing it, it's nice that I have a little bit, you know, for the woman who's a little, doesn't, doesn't want to see a face, another face in her bedroom or yeah. in her living room. Yeah, There's still that same feeling of my work, but doesn't really want to want to um, compete. I was so about to, to use that word myself, <laughs> that compete, you know, like, um, yeah, they don't want to feel like that. They have to live up to what what your model is. So you, exactly. you photograph a lot of them. So tell me your process. Right? How them. does that happen? So, so, you know, I do, I do use, I do, well, I do, I love fashion photography. So that is a big influence of mine. Mm -hmm. Um, um, I, you know, very famous fashion photographers. I I research all the time, um, especially the ones that, that shoot in black and white and, um, and I'm very influenced by them. So what I do is I, I save a lot of images that I find that I love yeah. on my computer and for reference, but then I'll go out into the city and I hire some models and I'm not a good photographer at all. So oh. I, there are times where I've hired other photographers or I've hired friends who are photographers to help me. And then I realized what I've got from them was pretty much the same thing I could get when I put my, my camera on automatic. Cause I don't really need it for the quality of the photograph. I no, just need it it's just the moment. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I hire um, models and we go out into New York City and sometimes we'll go. One time we got chased out of um, the hotel, the Roxy Hotel. In, oh, yeah. Um, I used to stay at the Roxy. Oh, my God. So I wanted to shoot in there. It was the winter time, And I went with another friend of mine who's a photographer and she was she was doing the photography photography for me at that time and we were there with the model and I had called on the phone and I got permission to shoot there and I said it's just going to be me and another photographer friend a camera and a model that's it nothing else no big and she yep. said sure and I don't know why I, I consider myself a savvy New Yorker I should have gotten her name and, and I didn't but sure enough we start shooting the model and immediately a security guard comes over and tells us we can't do that there so I sent Denise, my photographer friend, downstairs to the bathroom to shoot the model because I made, story, I made a storyboard. Yeah, because the bathroom's gorgeous down yeah. there. Well done in red velvet with a gorgeous wallpaper. And um, and I played decoy upstairs while she captured the moment for me. But so so and that's actually one and, of your colored works as well. You've got yes, that some exactly, of that color, exactly. yeah, with the girl sitting that's on the, the yeah, that's yeah. on the bathroom, right? Yeah. So, um, so anyway, what I do is I hire these models and we go, you know, and they're not, they're usually, um, aspiring models or, you know, I, yeah. I don't, I don't pay, I don't pay for top models. So, yeah, but they're exactly. wonderful. And, um, we walk around New York city and I show them a storyboard first of what I want to capture. And then I just take a million photographs and then I have them on my computer. And then what I do I very, very rarely use, like, take a photograph of any sort and just start painting from that. I always, so, like, the dress images that, I, that I've that i done, um, they usually, they come from, you know, one of those models, I'll take the bottom half of their body, and then yeah. I will... I will superimpose a dress on it or, or draw a gotcha. dress on it. Yeah, you gotcha. And I create my own reference material like that. Yeah. So it's kind of hard to explain and to show oh, that's people. that's part of the artists. Yeah, that's part. But you do do this beautiful thing of showing yourself painting online. 
This is yes, one of the yes, things that's I, so I'm magical. The process, yeah. yeah. And I think that probably engages people at a whole nother level. Um, yes, they love to see it. They love, yeah. It's funny. I did a, um, I, I sell with um, Loomis, who they have a Loomis in, Aust- in a couple of cities in Australia. They're, okay. I do limited edition prints with them. And um, oh, yeah. we did... We did in New York um, for National International Women's Day um, two years ago in March. We did a live. They wanted me to do a live painting thing, and I've never painted live oh, right. before. I spoke to my friend Derek, who also um, he's a collage artist, and he does live collage work all the time. And he said, I said, you know, what do I do? I have stage fright. And he said, just people just love to watch us do what we do. Yeah. You know, for us, it's yeah. just like counting or adding or cooking dinner but you know I guess for people who aren't artists they they're yes they're intrigued so I just you know and that's the great thing about social media is you can let everybody in to well see everything uh, yeah I I um watch you know when you're painting and I love it when you you know zoom in and I actually see how the brush is working on the the canvas you know I I love that I, I love that I see because, you know, as a, I'm not an artist, but as people who do art. Are you, you keep saying that, but you are. You're a designer. I'm a designer, yeah. But, like, I design with a pencil. A pencil doesn't run out. When you put paint on a brush, there's a amount of weight that has to transfer as it moves as well um, right. and as it fills and as you are, are pulling it, that, that paint will run out. And then right. you've got to put more paint on that brush and it looks like crap if it's all blobby and, you know, like it, it, it's actually this, there's the technique that I really love as well, watching that technique. That, um, I, yeah, because yeah, it, I suppose it, um, I don't know, for me, it, it, there's some of the analytics in my brain that I go, oh, wow, yeah, okay, and how smooth it is and how this, how it comes off and then, you know, it is art. At the end of the day, it develops as you paint it as well. Right. You know, otherwise, it would. It you you start with where you're headed, but then you go on a journey, and along that journey, things develop. Yes, that, and um, they change as you're painting too. Yeah. I mean, I've had like, I've I've reworked entire paintings sometimes too when yeah. they're almost finished. So yeah. I had one drawing over there where I couldn't get the. Uh, Folds. Uh, I was not happy with the folds. It was also like the bot that one of my dress yeah. um, images, and I could not get the folds the way I like them. So I just literally painted all the bottom half over in white, and I'm waiting for it to dry, and I'm going to go back into it because you know there are no rules. It's frustrating, but sometimes my best paintings come out that way. I was about to say that part of that um, thing of the journey of the creation brings some some challenge, and in that challenge, you find something else. You know, something develops from it. Absolutely. Do Absolutely. You th- do you throw many paintings away? Not many, but I have thrown some, and I do this. <laughs> Because I have a friend who also has a studio on my floor. And I remember I saw him leaving one day and he had some paintings in his hand. And he's, I said, oh, what are those? He goes, oh, these are the rejects. Yeah, and I, I thought, I guess he was taking them home. Literally, I have taken paintings that I hate and I have slashed the yeah. canvas and thrown them in the in the garbage because I just don't want to see them. Oh, I totally get it. I, and people go I, back. 
people freak out at that. But, you know, at the end of the day, <laughs> it's you and it's art. And I, yeah. I've seen my dad once years ago rip up a watercolour. And I'm like, oh, my God, I, I'm like, are, what, are you having a damn tantrum? You know, that's what's going through my head. <laughs> and he goes, it's just not. It's, it's just not what I want to anybody to ever see of mine. Right. It's not and right. It's, it didn't it work. It feels better to toss it than it does to yeah. have it. it. And if it sits, if it, if I know it's still in existence, I mean, I don't do that with a lot no. of them, but there's okay. But if I know it's still in existence, it'll bother me so it, much. It sits in the back of your mind right. that it nags you. Yeah. yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, so it, rather it, I just know that it's completely destroyed it, and never come back to life yeah, again. That shit's gone. <laughs> I've put that away. <laughs> I think that's such a cool thing. And it is, it's um an artist would understand it. I know um like sometimes I'll be drawing because I like to hand draw when I'm drawing houses and I'll screw it up and um I go, I'm not even gonna rub it out. I just screw it up, put it in the garbage. Yeah. And yeah. it's not that it's necessarily that bad. It's just that I have a, a thing where I go, I don't draw it more than once. Do you know what I mean? I, I hate to, if I've got to screw it up, even if I'm designing something, if I've got to screw it up, I generally would only ever make maybe two sketch, rough sketches before yeah, well, I actually paper, design paper and pencil them. Too get so muddy and messy. Yeah, exactly. And it's bracing and redoing and bracing and redoing. But it's no different than, you know, in the movies when you see the writers typing on their old fashioned typewriter <laughs> and they don't like it and they rip it up. <laughs> right? They rip it up and they throw it in the garbage. <laughs> That's <laughs> it, yeah. And they've only got three words on the page. I love right, that as exactly. well. <laughs> I, I have that little game that plays in my head. I'll draw something and seriously, like I might have used, you know, less than 2% of the sheet of paper and I'm like, nah, chuck, chuck it away <laughs> like this. And it's like I say to myself, you're just being a child. <laughs> like, and I'm like, I just don't want to have to work back over those lines, that the faintness that it will have indented the paper and stuff. Yes. When I come to it later, it's only a little piece of paper. Don't worry, you know. And who knows? It's just you. So <laughs> exactly. is, that, is that what you need to make feel better? So crumple up that paper. Boy. It's like one of those balls that you squeeze for, for. Yeah, exactly. A stress ball. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, so I've got a question, which is because you paint so much feminine form are you a feminist um I I mean I think I'm just a feminist because I'm a woman who lives in the year 2021 I mean I am you know I mean what is a feminist today any woman who's not a feminist is like what are they doing on earth? You know, like you have you have to, you know, I want us to all have the same rights as everybody else. So yeah. um, you know, a feminist, like how would you describe a feminist today? What what is the definition of a feminist today? I mean, any woman with a brain should be a feminist. It's so fascinating, <laughs> this thing. I, I've got two daughters and um we we have these discussions around this and I find it so interesting. Um, and at one point, uh, I think a lot of the a lot of the world misconstrued that woman, you know, back you know, sixties. Well, the sixties. Yeah, know, well, they they were militant feminists, 
And but they didn't have a lot of the rights that we have today, and we still no. don't have enough. But that's why they had to do that, and that's why they were called feminists. But so yes, I think we're always I, right. We're always going to have to be feminists. I, um, I was talking to Samantha Wills, who I don't know whether you know. Um, she used to um, she closed her jewelry company, but it was Samantha Wills, and she made amazing jewelry and became very famous around the world with it. Um, you know, it was on Sex in the City and all these kinds of things. And oh, really? I yeah. Probably not. Yeah, you probably would. You, and you'd certainly know some of her pieces. There's no doubt about that. Um, and I was chatting to her because she's hugely feminine um, and hugely feminist. And we were, I, was, I wanted, I love to ask this question of she celebrates woman and now she's got the Samantha Wills Foundation and she really celebrates it's all about celebrating women and getting women in business and giving them a leg up and all the rest um and then she's a such a, a you know a staunch feminist but from a totally feminine space and we were chatting and we were going through all these different parts about it because it is hard to sort of like quantify in a lot of ways and um, she goes, well, you're a feminist to me. And I'm like, yeah, well, I think I am. But whether I'm a very good one or not, I'm not sure. <laughs> well, I'm probably right. I probably could be a better feminist. I mean, I give the charities that I usually, you know, there's so many charities that I'd like to support. Um, but this year, especially when COVID hit, I was donating um, proceeds from every painting to No Kid Hungry. Yeah, beautiful. Um, for children and, you know, children who, you know, need food. They, they weren't getting food because they weren't going to school. They weren't getting their lunches because they couldn't go to school in New York. Yeah. The school shut down. So, yes, are there women's wow. organizations that I could have donated to? Yes, but for some reason that was just the one that sat with me. Um, yes, I mean, I, I would consider myself a feminist. I'm not very active, though. <laughs> I well, I, I, think, I think that one of the things like the fact that you know you don't objectify women in your uh, you know in in your art um yet your art is woman it's right and woman. i do believe it's, it's like, how every woman wants to be perceived sexy without having to be like overtly flaunting themselves yeah, yeah. to be and seen Right, and we, should, yeah. and we should be allowed to be and in the office without having to be, you know, the subject of, you know, harassment because yes. of it. So, <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a, it's such a fine line. You know, I've got an 18 year old daughter and I go, so she wants to be able to um, be seen and look beautiful. And, um, you know, she'll, she'll, she wants to be able to be, herself and have her body and you know all those right. things and then um you know every I suppose 18 to you know or, or men let's just go men from there on um they want to be able to appreciate that 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 look and that body and all the rest but there's this you know there's this collision line where oh, yeah. men come from being predatory too often you know, or, or maybe that's just the DNA, you know. And, and uh, yeah, well, yes. It's a, yeah, such yeah. a such as a, a sort of undefined and scary fluid space that you go, wow, where does this all land? 
It really is. It's a very gray area. Um, and, you know, I, I don't, I work by myself, for myself all day long. The only man I, I usually see on a daily basis is somebody in the hallway or my husband. So I don't have a problem with that. But I do also have two daughters yeah. who well, have been working from home, but do work with men. And I have, um, you know, my, my older daughter is a lawyer. And it's funny, she just changed her profile picture because she's blonde and she's, and she's beautiful and she's young. And she's like, I just need to look older. People don't take me seriously, especially yeah, when wow. she's working male lawyers. So Mm -hmm. it's hard. It's hard. Yeah. It's hard for young women in the workforce and um, every, and older women in the workforce everywhere. So I think it's a, it's a, a, um, a really interesting perspective and conversation that needs to be had. And I, I think that um, whilst I've got no um, nothing about the Trump presidency that I personally think was of any decent um, oh, value God. other than the Me Too thing happened while he was in yes, there. Exactly, and yes. he polarised so many people that it put power, horsepower behind things, um, his polarisation. And so from that point of view, I go, you know, he gave women... Um, a reason to stand and, and, and get a voice. And then it's brought this conversation back around about, you know, you shouldn't have to be non-feminine to demand your rights. You should be, or, or to just be treated equally. Um, exactly. You shouldn't have to turn around and go, I'm going to have to be like a man in, in this world, you know, no, you need to, you know, I think Jacinta Ahern, the New Zealand prime minister has done that so beautifully as well. Oh, absolutely. You know? She's and a feminine and our, and our new vice and our new vice president. Oh God, yes, bring it on, <laughs> Camilla Harris. Well, yeah, yeah. I, I like to pretend Trump doesn't exist anymore. Although he does, he's yeah. still he's still doing whatever he does. I I I don't. Yeah. I haven't had the news on as much anymore, and I'm happy about that because I don't have to hear about it's him. It's not as entertaining <laughs> as it was before. <laughs> oh my God! Oh. Um. I've got a question which I often ask of architects, but I'm going to ask you this one. One last painting, you're not allowed to ever paint another thing. Wait, what is the question? It's one last painting. You're never allowed to paint another thing. This is it. You've got one piece. That's the final piece. What am I painting? Um, I am painting a, a... It would probably be one of the scenes from um, with one of my models that I shot with lots of buildings in the background, lots of complicated, you know, sometimes I'll do more of the, um, uh, the backgrounds and the, paintings, right. Sometimes they're just more of like a figurative or simple. It would definitely be a more complicated scene with, um, with a model, with glasses and reflection. Oh, okay. And, yeah. and so I could fit every single thing in. It's my last one. <laughs> That's so interesting. And I never really thought about the complexity of when you suddenly go, yeah, when I've got to do glasses and I've got reflection, I've got to see their eyes. Through. Yeah, I just, um, yeah. Um, that's so cool. That's so cool. I'm looking at one now called, you know, um, meet me in the ladies room and yes. the amount of well, stuff that's like going that, on there. One. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It'd be, it'd, be, it'd be something like that. But those and really, and really big and a really large scale one. I love doing the large scale paintings. Um, that one was 
60 inches by 48 inches. So it was pretty big. Yeah. Um, Yeah. And um, yeah, it would take me longer. It would be my last one. So I have to spend a lot of time on it. (laughs) (laughs) I asked this of an architect the other day and he said, I just wouldn't, I just wouldn't do it. I just couldn't do it. Because I'm, I'm never going to finish. Yeah, I just I would never do it. And yeah, um, if I can only paint one, if I can only paint one more, I would make it really big and make it chock full of stuff. Yeah, and it might take you 15 years to paint. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> that would be so sad. It would be. I think a really good tip of um, we didn't talk about investment art, but a really good tip for anybody listening is that you should get one of Cindy's black and whites. But as an investment piece, you should get a coloured one because she doesn't do many. <laughs> it's true, maybe. It's yeah, maybe. yeah, I think that, um, you know, because there isn't that many coloured ones, they're the, they're the rare fish as such. I do them when I have time, when there's like a little lull, which is not usually when I'm not working towards a show or a fair or something. And yeah. then I just, and I have time, too much time to think. <laughs> it's, it's too much time to think is not yeah. good because then no, it's I never a good thinking, thing oh I should do some more color work and then I do it and then I'm, I finish it and I it's like I cannot wait to get back to my black and white work so when's I your do, next I love them for in between in yeah between. when's your next exhibition uh well I'm doing a pop-up event it's a private event actually in um in June uh soon June 25th Oh, I don't know that we're okay in the Hamptons. And what's after that? Um, After that, I am probably going to go to LA and do an art fair with the other art fair out there. I'm not sure yet. I have to still figure that out because, you know, things are just opening. So I'm not sure how much I want to travel yet. there's nothing coming up in New York, although I was supposed to do a pop-up event with two other artists, male artists, um, right, right. We were planning it right as COVID hit. Oh, right. So we're just starting to talk about doing that again. Um, you know, I don't know if I'll be at Art Basel in December. I do that usually, but it's, still kind of like I'm still easing myself into these big art fairs yeah. and I'm also starting to teach a little so I've never oh. done that before online so I just did, or, or in online, person I just did my first online tutorial with um it's a woman named Kara Bullock and she's out of LA and she does a portrait um, class called let's face it and what she does every year is she gets 27 different artists and uh-huh. styles and they each and each week she uploads a new lesson so that was my first people are always asking me if I teach and I I haven't I mean I'll do the painting things on Instagram but I, I love so, yeah I love that also asked me to come out to LA and film um, a solo class for her so I'm nice. going to do that in January so right so- now I, is, I want to post those uh, links to those things so that people oh, can do it, you know. Yes, I'll send you those. Because that's so cool, like that people can, um, that our artists can learn from you as well. Yeah, I mean, people, you know, and so many artists have YouTube channels. It's just, mm-hmm. you know, I have only so many hours in a day mm-hmm. is the problem. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I think it's, 
it's a beautiful way to give back as well as to be able to have a class that people can go and purchase and and then take that class and then yeah, yeah. and I I've, I've taken other artists that I admire their are online mm-hmm. classes and you know what even though you may not necessarily I don't want to paint in their style no. but always learn new tips my you dad little trip my trips. dad at 92 you I should think do from, it he he should whether he could be bothered <laughs> I don't know but he um certainly like uh, 10 years ago he would go and do a workshop with a, another artist right. to just learn more about a technique or whatever you know right. and right. It, that's what I do yeah just it, just because you you gain from being in the space it's like me saying you know this next week I'm away um you know I'm I'm just going to be around a whole bunch of architects who uh you know Australia's I suppose the big heavyweights of Australian architecture past and still present um, and just be immersed, you know, with a bunch of other students for for seven days. And yeah, you should learn more each day than you, or you should forget more than you've learned each day to be so much. What's life about if you can't do that? No, I totally agree. That's the fun part of life. That is, that's what makes it go round. Right. Cindy, I have absolutely loved our chat. Thank and you, me too. I love your art. Um, it's a, it's so fun, and it takes me in all my journeys back to my fashion trade days as well, which I love. That sort of little romantic bloody wander down that that sort of stretch. Um, so yeah, thank you so much for sharing so much. It was really beautiful. Thank you for having me. It was really fun. Richard's Magic Arrows is brought to you by the Architect Marketing Institute. Clean, simple, sugar-free magic arrows that hit the mark for fast results. Let's fire a magic arrow into this week's problem. Now, I know feed pressure is one of the biggest things facing designers. It doesn't matter what level you're at. There is no one golden bullet for it. Uh, If it was, it was probably select the right type of clients. But if you're in a situation where you're being pressured on fees, I'm going to give you a way of dealing with it. And it's by asking, let's say, three questions. And this is called takeaway selling. So this is where you kind of offer something up and then you take it away and see if they follow you. It's almost like imagine if you had some hot chocolate cookies and you had a plate full of them. You put them in front of someone and then they went to reach out and then you, you pulled it away and you see if they get up and follow you. It's that type of thing. So this is called takeaway selling. So the first question you ask, you say, well, why don't you just leave the situation as it is? Why, why make the change? That's an unusual thing for a designer to say. Well, why not just leave it as it is? And see how they answer. And then you might say, well, why did you want to speak to me? Why did you not get someone else? And see if they follow you. See if they answer properly. And the third question would be, well, why not do it later? Now, by asking these negative questions, you're going to get a lot more information out of someone than by trying to convince them to do it. Because by pulling the plate of hot cookies away, they're either going to react or they're not. And if they do react and give you answers and explain why it's important, then what they're doing is telling you how important something is. Now, while these magic arrows are great for fast results, when you're ready to run better quality projects from clients who value great design and are prepared to pay great fees, I've got a special training just for you. Go to archmarketing.org forward slash talk design. Take your magic arrow and fire at will.